Welcome to Dramas with a Side of Kimchi, a fangirl party every drama fan wants to join. Grab your kimchi and face masks and let's chat Asian dramas. I'm Carrie the Mockne. And I'm Drama Geek. Don't forget that we have a Patreon page. We have a monthly episode we release exclusively for our patrons. You can find the link in our show notes. Our patrons also get an exclusive invitation to our Discord server, which is super fun to be a part of and chat daily about the dramas we're watching. And then we participate in group watches. Uh, the Mockne does most of that. And we support <laughs> each other in our drama addiction. And we'd love to have you join us. Yes, I needed group support to get through Mr. Sunshine. So, and that's the one we're currently watching. Yeah. Yeah. It, not yeah. Added, I had not, I was planning on possibly joining you guys. And then I just have it, life has been life. Graduation cannot come soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Let not waiting and I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get that. Cause my daughter's graduation was last night and like all the activities beforehand sucked up so much time and she didn't even do them all. And it still sucked up so much time. I'm like, what is this yet? Yeah, but you know, this is my kid. That's going to go to college and probably get several degrees. So I'm like, this is just one of many. Yeah. So, no. So yes. All right. Anyway. Yep. That was a tangent, but we don't need tangents. (laughs) We can talk about progress and moving through adolescence because I swear these siblings were kind of still stuck in it. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so today Drama Geek and I are going to discuss my liberation notes. And this drama is set in Sanpa Village where more people leave than remain. And the three Yom siblings, Jong Hee, Mi Jong, and Ki Jong, wish to escape a life rife with uncertainty and monotony. And then a mysterious man, Mr. Goo, moves into their neighborhood. He's an alcoholic with the look of someone with many burdens and secrets. His cautious personality and preference for keeping to himself make him the subject of local gossip. Mi Jung, the youngest and most timid Yom sibling, decides to approach him. So that that plot description, which I did not write, just so we're clear, <laughs> kind of covers the first five minutes of the first episode. <laughs> There's a lot more depth to this drama, which is why the two of us are here. And it's one of those dramas that you can tell pretty much from the opening scenes. Like I watched, I rewatched the intro watching the last episode. I'm like, this tone actually doesn't fit the tone of the drama that well. I feel like for the intro, because I mm-hmm. I've skipped it since the first episode. I think. Yeah, it's too like. I don't want to say bright and upbeat, but yeah, it's. <laughs> I know the little bus coming because that's the part I when I hit. Cause I love the little skip intro, uh, button when it comes to certain dramas, especially, uh, Chinese dramas. Cause they give so much away, but, oh yeah, um, the little bus coming up and parking, that's all what I see all the time. And, and it, the, it's all bright colors and everything. I'm like, hmm. I mean, I guess the summer scenes are definitely brighter. <laughs> yeah. But even then it's the brightness of like heat unrelenting sun. Yeah. You know, it made me feel like I was back in Arizona again. I'm like, oh, please, no. (laughs) But no, that was that was part of the brilliance of the drama, too, was just the feelings. But anyway, we'll we'll get to that in a minute. So let's start off by explaining why we decided to watch. Um, For me, it was a combination. Let's see. Did you have to pressure me into this or did we both start watching it? I'm actually trying to figure out why I started to watch. (laughs) I can't remember because like. I know if somebody was like, oh my gosh, it's the writer from my mister. I would have been like, I wouldn't have jumped him in like, oh my gosh, I have to see it. Cause I haven't finished my mister, which any listeners who have bugged us to watch my mister, I am going to go back and watch it now. I'm going to give myself a little bit of time 
to separate these people's stories and the others. Cause it's ca- so character driven. And I'm sure the other one is as well. Um, so I don't remember, I think it was a lull in even having anything to watch. And I think when Netflix was showing me what I should watch, I saw some of the, it came up big on the top of my screen and just was showing some of me, me, some of the scenes. And I was like, okay, okay. I have to at least try this out and see what I think. And so I'm really glad I did, but that's the only thing I can think of that got me to watch. Cause nobody else was wanting us to watch it. And I don't mm-hmm. remember if I nagged you into watching it. Or not. <laughs> I can't remember I either. Possible. I think I might have just because <clears throat> we've watched several dramas together that are a little bit more like melancholy in a way that I don't know. It just had a feeling of like, okay, I think that she would appreciate this type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Cause hey. I like the melancholy without the dragging into deep despair and depression. But, but I don't know that I would have suggested it based on the siblings, which is the next question <laughs> on well, their personalities. And- when you start, I don't know that I would have thought, Oh, she's going to love these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think too, cause I do the teaser post and I watch the trailers. Mm-hmm. It might've been the trailers. Just because honestly, I appreciate a good mystery and Mr. Goo was a good mystery. Yeah. So his, his face is probably what got me to watch. I love, <laughs> I love him as an actor and I haven't seen, I'm actually going to possibly go back and see if there's anything else I can watch um, of his, that would be interesting. Um, but so the, so the second question is what do we think of the three siblings? And that's a hard question without giving too many spoilers away, but I will say that their personalities kind of mirror one of the reasons I stopped watching my mister because Mm -hmm. they weren't the most likable. Like they, they, I watching their scenes, I was like, oh my, why are they complaining so much? But I do think the youngest sister, her personality is what kept me watching. So um, maybe my mister, I need to go back and find that character within it that <laughs> hold me over until I can kind of get to know the other three siblings, um, a little bit better and then be able to like them where they're at in each part of the show. And that's, we'll talk about themes later of this show. And I think that's a big theme with, the, with this writer, but yeah, the three siblings, if you start watching it and you're like, they're annoying. They are. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's their starting point. Yeah. But, but are they really that annoying or are they a better representation of how people, a lot of people are in real life? I feel like this writer tries to make things a little bit more realistic in how people are and, or how you get to see people in snippets of like, when you only see them at certain times, of, of their day or whatever type thing. And then as you spend more time with them, then you kind of see some of the behind of like, okay, that's why they're complaining about that. Or that's part of their personality, but this other part of their personality makes up for it or, or whatever, or they grow and change. And that's also part of the, the show. So, so what did you think of the three siblings? Um, well, like you said, at first they were not the draw. But there was something, I think, because Chonky is the oldest brother. 
Mm-hmm. And there was at some point that he was going on a rant and he went somewhere that I did not expect. And I actually made it made me like him. And I'm like, all right, I need to learn more about this guy. Mm-hmm. And then youngest sister, Mi Jong, she was a great contrast to the two. And she talks early on about just kind of being weary of life. And then you see her two siblings and you're like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> so yeah. I just, I kind of relatable. And I come from a family where of three siblings also, it's me and my two younger brothers. And so even though I didn't necessarily think of that while watching, it's one of those things that I get the dynamic of three because that's what I grew up with. Yeah. Well, I, I grew up with many more, but <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I can, I can definitely, I mean, but also when you have a family that big, there's usually, um, the big age differences and stuff. So we're almost split up into like little sections. So mm-hmm. I can kind of get the feeling of three siblings at different points in time. So I, I do, I did relate to it. I related to some of the, 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 in the, the relationships within like the, the, what the brother kind of was to each of his sisters and the sisters to each other. And just kind of how the, the dynamics of that. Mm-hmm. Now, and how there's oftentimes, especially for me growing up, like I'd relate to one of my brothers and it would almost turn us against the third and then kind of not. And it would morph like it was shifting all the time. And then sometimes all three of us hated each other all at the same time. So, you know, sibling dynamics. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Oh, and in case we forgot to mention, this is a spoiler free section. We will get to the spoilers later. We're just kind of giving you our overall first impressions of the drama. All right. So one of the biggest characteristics of this drama was contrasting the life in Seoul to the life in the country. So we want to talk about just a little bit how it felt different or if it felt different. And to me, it definitely did. did like. And one of the reasons that I also love this drama is just the directing, the cinematography are brilliant because even the feel of the drama changes from the Seoul setting because all the siblings work on Seoul or in Seoul. And then they go home out in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to commute an hour and a half to get back home and country. And then they work on the weekends and that's where Mr. Goo lives. And it's slower. They're more in touch with nature. And it's just, it's a very different setting and it's a very different feel. Yeah. I feel like some of the the most thought provoking and beautiful, beautifully shot scenes were in the country. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of scenes that used the, the, um, I don't, the tall grass. I don't know exactly if it's a different, if it's just grass or if it's something else, but just the, and then you know being up in a higher viewpoint or just the long road that they would walk from the bus to, to home. And I don't, there was just a lot of, of really thought provoking scenes there, but in contrast, there was a, it, in, I think soul really brought home, um, like how they had to conform, even though mm-hmm. they weren't like from like different province or anything, they were still from the country. I remember one of the, and it's not really that big of a, it's not a spoiler per se, but how one of her coworkers, Mi Jung's co- coworkers was like, why do you call it? Or no, maybe it wasn't. It was either Mi Jung's coworker or her sister. And I, they, she's like, why do you call it the train? It's the subway. Mm -hmm. Um, because in town, you know, in Seoul, it's always underground and everything. And then it's a train once it gets out and they live far enough out in the country that 
they called it the train. And she's just like, well, but that's what it's called. But, but it makes you sound like you aren't from Seoul. And she's like, but I'm not. And Mm -hmm. it's just that, like the scenes in Seoul were very much reminded you that though they worked there, they didn't necessarily at that time in their life belong there. And that it even bringing into the liberation club, which we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, but the liberation club of how that even caused that to be formed and how it affected just her life at work or dating life or how that everything that the contrast of, if you live in Seoul and if you live in the country, they did such a good job of the feeling of each scene, whether, where they were, you didn't really even have to know what kind of restaurant they were eating at. You knew that they were not near their home. Um, if they were eating somewhere else, or they just did such a good job that you just knew, you just knew from the, the, the feel of the talk and the people and the, everything that they were either in the country or they were in Seoul. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what do we think of the mysterious Mr. Goo? Um, <laughs> so his character, we'll get into details about his character later. So I, I won't go too, too in depth because he, um, he's one that I think you have to get in depth after you find out the mystery of him or whatever, but, um, he doesn't talk a whole lot for the first, like <laughs> three episodes. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. a while. And hit. His not talking, the dad's not talking. And then even Mi Jung, she doesn't really talk a lot either. And so like a lot of the scenes, they're just sitting there eating food together and there's no talking. Um, But they do, they do a really good job of like kind of building up the mystery around him. And then there's a pivotal scene that it would be possibly a spoiler that you're just like, and they never explain ever (laughs) No, how he's able to do what he does. But so he, he remains his past almost remains a mystery through the whole entire thing a bit. Like, you know, some of his past, but you don't know like all of it. So he, he kind of like you, you kind of know almost everything there is to know about the family that, you know, they're just, they are who they are. They've lived in the country, you know, they, but he kind of remains this, this mysterious character. And I, I really loved his portrayal of his character. And even though I didn't agree with a lot of the things around some, some of the stuff, I, I just really liked his character. I liked watching him for even the subtle, um, signs that he was either paying attention, even paying attention to what was going on. Sometimes you're just like, (laughs) is he just eating and like half drunk? I don't know. (laughs) Well, also that. Right. But he, um, I, I liked the, I liked the mystery buildup. Cause again, the family didn't know anything but his last name. And we, as the, the, the viewer didn't know that either. And I liked the, what it added to not mundane. Isn't it pretty much is the right word in a lot of the scenes. There was just a lot of repetition going on of like getting to work, getting home, eating, doing chores, you know, that kind of thing. And his mm-hmm. mystery kind of wove in a little bit of, of interest when there was just a lot of the same and mundane of what was going on in their lives, but the way it was told and shot wasn't mundane. So, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And I think because of his inclusion, you know, we have that mystery almost from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so the emphasis of his secrets and his silence and it's so cliche, but his quiet intensity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and 
contrasted with just the complaining and kind of the chaotic family noise that this, the siblings embraced for the most part. Because mm-hmm. even Mi Jung, when it came to her siblings, she wasn't 100% silent. She was just mostly silent. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, that's a flashback scene. Yeah, we'll talk about that later too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But just they were they were very much a family and connected. And then he wasn't, but they were still drawing him in. And it's like, why would they do that? So it's just the dynamic was there. It was just interesting. And honestly, his whole story arc is very interesting. And it's an, an insight into a mind that I wouldn't have considered otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. So in the story, Mi Jung works for a corporate um, entity that creates something or other. There's design involved. That's she, all you really need to she know. She designs cards. They, they, they design like greeting cards and stuff. It was joy cards is what mm. it was called. So yes. Okay. And the corporation has decided that in, in their workers' lives, they need more work-life balance. And so everybody has to join a club sponsored <laughs> by the corporation because that encourages work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So me, Jones, like I have a ridiculous commute. I do not have time for these clubs because they have like a bowling club and they have just all sorts of clubs. And so there's, um, they go to the director over clubs and she's just like, no, I don't want to join. I don't have time. And there's two other guys who don't want to join for their own reasons. And the director's like, I'm sorry, you have to join a club. And so the three of them, she meets, they has, she has them meet together and say, look, we're forcing this on you. And they're like, fine, we'll have our own club. And so they create the liberation club. And it was, I always found it funny when, at first, when people were like, what liberation from clubs, <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, in a way, but the dynamic quickly changed and it became a liberation from just kind of, I guess, still the monotony of life kind of club or whatever anyway. was holding them back, whatever yes. they felt personally. So, cause each person was different of what they were, why, why they were there, but what was holding them back? What did, what did they need to be liberated from? Mm-hmm. And so would we want to join our own liberation club? Honestly, I would say yes, because I, I've gotten to a point lately in my life where I enjoy reflecting and kind of doing a deep dive into why I think about things and what I do and how things have influenced my life. And so I think for me, that would be a very good thing because it's nice to have it guided so that I'm consistently paying attention to those things instead of like focusing on one thing and then forgetting for six months and then focusing, you know, like that. Yeah. And to have a support group where you're all seeking your own liberation. Um, let's see, are the rules of the liberation club? Is that a spoiler? I don't think so. No. Okay. So there's two rules for the liberation club. You can't offer advice and you can't, oh crap. It just fell out of my head. What's the other one? Oh, you can't offer comfort. Yeah. Yeah. They just talk. Yeah. And it's just, so basically they're their own therapy group. Right. Well, and I think it would be hard to not offer advice um, and to not comfort somebody, but I feel like it were, it really worked well for them. And I think that cause they, they were responsible for their own, they all got notebooks. Um, that's why the one of, cause there's a couple of different translations of the title, but the liberation notes, um, is the one that is on Netflix. And so they get notebooks and they write down their own notes and some of them fill up multiple notebooks and some of them barely fill up 
a notebook and then, you know, it's so they all have their own path that they're taking and their own, what they're writing down in their notebooks and everything, but that coming together and just kind of being able to talk, share thoughts and not have to worry about if somebody's going to be like, no, you need to do this, this, and that. Cause I think that that, that can actually be pretty overwhelming in some ways of people always giving you advice every time you share something that's bothering you or something you're working on or whatever. So I, I think, uh, a liberation, I actually have a notebook, uh, that I'm thinking about using and just kind of jotting down some thoughts in there in, in the same frame of mind thing and being Mm -hmm. able to just do a tiny little bit at a time. I have pretty bad carpal tunnel. And so writing for any length of time kind of hurts, but being able to just kind of jot down a thought or an, you know, something like that and not have to have it to be connected with, Ooh, I've got this idea of, I want to write or whatever, but just have it be kind of like, like my husband has a meditation, you know, notebook type thing. And I think it would be similar, but also not have it have to worry about that. It's leading anywhere. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You're just kind of writing down your thoughts. So. Yeah. I like that. Cause I have like for my daily devotionals, I have a journal that I keep just kind of thoughts that occur to me as I'm reading my scriptures, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's related to what I'm reading. Sometimes not, but yeah. to have something that's not guided at all, that's just whatever's floating through my head. Yeah. That's, I kind of like that idea. Cause I know like, Okay, doing a little bit of a deep dive, so just buckle up for a second. But I keep daily, like I keep notebooks. That's how I track my day. Like all my to-do lists are in a notebook and that's just, it's my calendar, it's my brain, it's my everything. Mm-hmm. But I just use spiral brown notebooks because if I have like some thoughts I need to get out, I can just dump it on that page and then move on. Mm-hmm. And so I've kept all of my past notebooks. Like I have several years worth because I have those occasional pages of brain dumps and I think they're worth keeping. Yeah. One of these days, someday when I'm not busy, ha ha ha, (laughs) I'm going to go back through these notebooks and find those brain dumps and put them all together in one binder because I'm keeping a lot of notebooks for like two or three pages per notebook. Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't done that in a long time. Do one binder and combine pages. Yeah. Yep. And just have it in one place. Because I also... I'm also a little bit of a self-conscious journaler because I know that eventually I want my kids to be able to read it. Perhaps not while I'm still around for them to react to, but after. After, yeah. All right, so our last topic before we get to spoilers, um, and we just kind of, I threw this in there after I finished the whole thing and just wanted to touch, and we touched a little bit on it already, um, especially Mm -hmm. talking about like the soul and then the countryside and everything, but the directing Um, somebody in one of our discord groups posted a, I think it was the discord group posted, Mm -hmm. a kind of a deep dive into this particular writer's relationship with directors and, um, this director in particular, they felt that they are displaying the writer's original thought process, maybe better than some of any of the rest of them that of the shows that they'd seen. And I haven't seen like all of their shows, so I can't personally compare, but I feel like I agree with them that the directing was amazing, but I also didn't feel like it was in the way of anything or that it was, it was guiding me with a very firm hand. Like, I feel like it was just kind of stepping back and letting the characters and the story speak for itself 
but in a way that was very thought provoking and beautiful. Mm -hmm. I do think that this particular story in the hands of a different director may not have hit me as profoundly and may not have made me sit there and think as much after I stopped. Cause each, uh, Kay Muse is saying that maybe she's going to binge this. And I'm like, I mean, you can do it, but I feel it's a better drama where you watch an episode or two and then you think about it and you contemplate on it and then you come back. Cause I feel like the siblings, especially at the beginning would annoy me way more. And I'd have a harder time getting, <laughs> getting past if I didn't have time to think about maybe some of their actions or how things were framed to where I can look at it from a different perspective or, or, or any of that, like just time for me to, to just take a breath and go, okay, that's what was going on or, or whatever. So I, I feel like the directing was um, there were so many scenes that just the lighting and the, the train being used as, a, as a part of the story in so mm-hmm. many different, uh, sections of the drama. And there's a couple of scenes where two people are even on the same train and the lighting and the, what they're looking at and the, where the camera is, is making you focus is so different. You can tell what they're thinking, or at least what you think that they're, you know what I mean? You can kind Mm -hmm. of deep, dig deep into what their thought process might be at that moment. And and I think that is the director's touch. Absolutely. 100% it is because there's, I'm an editor in my other life. And a lot of times I have to tell my authors show don't tell. And this director takes that adage to the next level. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of the story that is told without words because mm-hmm. like there's the there's kind of the focus again on the mundane out in the countryside, like there'll be a focus in on the flowers at the edge of a field and they'll pull back and you'll see the action going on. But like the flowers, while they're not part of the action, they're still part of the scene mm-hmm. and they kind of help you get the focus of I'm trying to explain this right, <laughs> but just it helps you get the feel of how detached sometimes the characters are from the action around them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it gives you a feel for the space of the countryside and how it affects their personalities and their thought processes. Yeah. And you get a feel for how, because there's, there's the feeling of space, almost of emptiness out in the countryside. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of focus on that, on just how big it is and how not quite desolate, but just empty of people it is versus soul. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes from the directing. And then there's a lot of clues to the story that come from the scenes and the setting rather than the conversation. Because mm-hmm. if you if you think about your contemporary rom-coms, you know, we're told almost everything. Like think everything gets explained to the viewer. Yeah. And this is not yeah. one of those dramas. A lot you have to pay attention. And it's not like enough to confuse you or drive you crazy. Right. It just adds another layer to the story, to the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it for a much richer narrative. And I really, really love it. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So now we're going to go on to the spoilery section, which yay, hey. holding back is hard. It is. It is. But so if, if you're here and you haven't watched it, I will say one, be prepared for very slice of life. Mm-hmm. Also be prepared to kind of sit with the characters and get to know them. And you might not believe me when I say at the beginning, you will fall in love with some of them. You will still be annoyed at the end with others. 
but you'll appreciate all of them. Mm-hmm. And also it in, in its, in its entirety, it is, you are seeing a part of their life and that's it. You are just seeing a, a section of their life and that's, that's what you get. So that, that, that would be my warning <laughs> to people who are really invested in any of the romances or invested in happily ever afters or any of that kind of stuff. You may want to just move along and find mm-hmm. something else to watch, go back and watch uh, a business pro- proposal again or something. <laughs> There's anything on right now that is a, uh, rom-com or dig into the archives go watch what's wrong with secretary kim or her private life (laughs) something like that so if you're if you're looking for a which i mean you're not going to start this if you think if you're looking for a rom-com you're not going to start my liberation notes but i will say again if you're really invested in the romances or uh, you know a happily ever after or any of that kind of stuff you you may either adjust your expectation and keep watching or just kind of move along so mm-hmm. now spoilers as to what happens throughout this drama. So if you are into the, this part, you're, you've either watched it or you want to know a lot about it before you go watch it. <laughs> and you will learn plenty. I promise. <laughs> All right. So we'll start off with the kind of a softball because this is, I think it was the end of episode two where we're like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what do we think of me, Jong? So the youngest sister and Mr. Gu worshiping the, each other. Y'all get your minds out of the gutter. It's not what you think. <laughs> I, I wish I had written down the definition that he had looked up and then was like, oh, okay, I can do that. <laughs> right. I wish, I wish I had too. Yeah. Um, and then we'll get to the second half that, of that question in just a second. But the worshiping is just, it's more about kind of small acts of service for each other or noticing each other. It's not about, you know, it's not about romance or affection. It's about paying attention or even about because you immediately when you think of work like if somebody just walks up to you instead of says instead of saying hey let's date saying i want you to worship me (laughs) 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 which is (laughs) i'm not i'm not into like propping somebody up and making them feel like they're the best person in the world and doing anything and everything that they want me to do and that's not it again Mm -hmm. when he went and looked up the definition i think it was more along the lines of like cheering somebody on in their daily life of like making them feel noted, like you said, noticed and appreciated. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. I actually strive to worship my husband, but not in the, again, work. (laughs) And it's not a translation thing because he is very much taken aback. Like you want me to do what? So (laughs) it's a, a translation that, that works to where that's what she asked him to do. But again, it's not, it's not the, what you think. And I feel like it's a, where they were at in their lives, it was actually a very apt thing for each of them to think of doing. Mm-hmm. Cause I think he needed that impetus to pull himself out of his own, kind of his own malaise yeah. using the really big words, but <laughs> just, he needed to be pulled out of his own head. Yeah. Yeah. And her approaching him and being like, worship me. It was just, it was the perfect way to do that. Cause it definitely took him by surprise mm-hmm. and it made him, but it made him think, and he was kind of pulled out of the rut that he'd fallen into in his country life. Mm-hmm. And so I, it was, it was interesting. And once I understood what she meant by worshiping, it was kind of fascinating to watch. And I'm mm-hmm. like, 
that's because it's very intentional and deliberate and yet very small. Yeah. And totally not what I expected at all, but I really, really liked it. Again, it was just little things like, Hey, I know you're getting back from the train soon. Are you hungry? What do you want to eat? Like, again, it's a normal thing to happen in a relationship, but when you put it in the framework of worshiping, you're caring about the person you're, you know, you're, you're, you're intentionally taking time out of your day to make sure that they know that you thought about them. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Okay. And then the second half of the question is what about me? Jung struggled to be recognized for her good work. I would not want to work me Jung's office. <laughs> I would have slaughtered that supervisor. No, I would have quit after crying. But anyway, <laughs> because she, she does design. She, you know, she does these projects and she hands him the rough copy and then he just tears it up. Mm-hmm. He just, and well, he, he very loudly. And unfortunately I've had somebody in my life describe how a teacher, um, was talking about stuff that they had turned in and it sounded very similar. I'm like, Oh my, I'm so sorry mm-hmm. that I had to go through that. But like everybody in the office knew that he did not like what she turned in. Everybody in the office knew that he marked it up and that he ripped it apart. And then he thought it was horrible. He mm-hmm. made sure that everybody knew he didn't yeah. do it quietly. <laughs> <laughs> he did it very loudly. And unfortunately for, for, uh, her, he, the root of why he did it, you do find out later on is because mm-hmm. he actually is incompetent at his job and it has a low self-esteem and knew probably when he looked at stuff that, wow, this is really good. Or he couldn't recognize what was really good. And he thought he knew what he was talking about, but he did it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he, I think the other temp worker actually said his ideas are all old fashioned and out of style. Who puts shadow on fonts? And yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, wait, I do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and it was hard as the viewer and it was intentional. Mm-hmm. It was hard as the viewer to watch him like mark stuff up and then give it back to her and then her change and hand it in because you didn't really see what the original product would have looked like as a printout necessarily, or what the final product looked like, or, you know, you just, there wasn't a comparison. So at first you did, you thought maybe, and we even had in-depth conversations (laughs) about like, I mean, maybe she, maybe she's, is getting better at her job or maybe, you know, is, is she trying to just give him what he wants or, and you don't really know until later on when, uh, one of his bosses, is like, I want the original layout. Why didn't you just give me this to begin with? And her work was the original layout. And you find out, oh, okay. She is really good at her job. She has an eye for design and he's just not good. And he's kind of sabotaging her work. So make himself feel better, make himself feel better. And I, I feel like the struggle that she went through to have her work recognized it again, this show felt very real in so many that that mundane, like the, them going throughout their day, her get taking so long to get to work. Then she works really hard. She turns it in, he rips it apart. She stays super late to fix it, turn it in, make all the changes that he wants and then drive rides the train home goes all in and she never gets acknowledged. She's a temp. She's a temp employee. She hasn't Mm -hmm. been hired on by contract. And, and, you know, she, unfortunately, with the way, cause we're at spoiler section. We know how it ends. If you're listening, you either know how it ends or you want to know how it ends. <laughs> she 
never gets acknowledged by anybody that counts for her work at the job that she was at. And with the way that the structure was set up and the way that the, the management believed, you know, the guy over her and all that kind of stuff, she wasn't going to, you know what I mean? Like, unless the, the, the boss above him came in and just like finally realized that all the good work that he was turning in was from her, she wasn't going to, as long as he was her boss, it was not going to happen. And she was just going to be miserable at that job. Yep. And this is not one of those kind of dramas where somebody swoops in and saves her. No, no, so no, she just ends up leaving and not working there anymore and being happier for it. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I would have possibly liked to see her find, get a job at a different place designing and, and finding fulfillment in that, but she got a job at a different place and liked the type of work she was doing and seemed to really get along with her coworkers. And they didn't make her go mm-hmm. out after work and have to be a part of the silly club. <laughs> I mean, it was good for something. It made them form the liberation club, but I'm sorry when you've got parents, whether they're single parents or not, and you've got people who live far away and you're pushing them and making them spend a, a lot of extra time in clubs so that you guys can get along and stuff. It, it was just very much like, no, that's their time. You're not paying them for that. Like <laughs> let them go home, let them do their life and do their work when they're there. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I could not handle living, working at her work from the very beginning of like them. And it was funny the way they kept calling them in one by one, <laughs> right? all that stuff. They kept like nagging them about like, no, you, you really need to join a club. You need to join a club. You need to join a club. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yes. That whole corporate cares. No corporate doesn't care. They're just trying to look good. Yeah. I can't. Did you say what your opinion? <laughs> yes. So <laughs> we chatted. It's covered. It's a cozy, but also a chatty recap because we have lots of feelings. We have lots of words to say about this show. And yet it's very, it's kind of hard to explain to somebody and get them to want to watch it. Although now that I've finished, I, I really do think like I could get somebody to watch it, but not really explain too much about it. Cause it, again, it's just like, if you like a character driven show that makes you contemplate a lot and all that, then, then this, this could be something that you like, but mm-hmm. so, more specifics on this. Did we see the older sister and in our threads, I always, and it, maybe it's just from being a part of a big family. I just kept using their, uh, the oldest sister, youngest sister and brother <laughs> by their names a lot, but um, so the oldest sister and her name is um, Ki Jung. Mm-hmm. Um, she, her resolution pretty early in there is to just find someone to love this, that, that winter um, and playing it out no matter what. Were we frustrated with her or rooting for her? Was her romance with a single dad a good idea? Is there anyone else we would have wanted to see with her? Cough, cough. I'll let uh, uh, Carrie say that. <laughs> One, I, I appreciated her, her resolve to just date somebody. I I think that's just such a normal thing. It's human nature, especially the age that she was, that she is in the show. Like you're just going to date. And a lot of people are like, I'm just finding somebody and I'm going to date them because I'm lonely and I want to date. So I felt, it felt very realistic to me. I, I, it felt very in, in tune with her character and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, the lucky for us, the person that she ended up 
dating gave him a lot more screen time. And I <laughs> felt like, um, Iki Wu, like he, he really did such a good job. He was another one of those quiet characters that didn't say a lot, but when he spoke, you felt everything that he was saying, mm-hmm. really, like the, uh, just the tension between him and his daughter that just felt so realistic of like, you, they, they're, they don't have hardly any talking scenes together. Like there's some, but most of the time when you see them, it's so true to the, I mean, if you were to film my life and my kids and driving back and forth to school and all of that stuff, you're like, wow, they don't really talk a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of like, there's so many times when you have a tween or a teen where it's just it, that there isn't a lot to talk about. And when you have a single dad and they didn't reveal until the very end that he was a widow, they never said he was a widow. I, until the end, I, I didn't realize his his wife had died or it made it sound like he was divorced. I thought he was, I thought he was divorced. I didn't get the widower thing at all. There was some comment somebody made at the end of like, it was the, when they were talking about their dad, like her mom passing away or her mom being gone, the daughter's mom being gone. And there was a couple of conversations surrounding that, that made it seem like she did pass away. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I, I was, I felt like the few dates that they showed them on, they actually were nice dates. And I like, I enjoyed them together in those, in those circumstances. I feel like their relationship in what we got to see of it played out pretty much how I figured it would when they first got together, like that. She just didn't end up being a very, uh, good stepmom figure. Not, (laughs) Not that she wasn't a good stepmom figure, but it just didn't, she wasn't capable of getting past the one sister being so mean to her all the time and the daughter's silence. And it is, that would not be a easy hurdle to overcome. Um, I, and she wasn't able to, with her personality, move past that and actually kind of bring everybody together. Um, they don't show resolution of that ever happening. Or if that takes place, I, in my world of what happens, I don't think it ever happens. I don't think that they, that, that they make, they'll end up making it that great of a family. If they do get married, then, then hopefully they, you know, that happens for them by the end, you're kind of like, okay, I mean, I can kind of see why they're, they're still together. But again, my focus wasn't really on wanting her to have some big, huge romance or anything like that. So I get, I liked the fact that he got a lot more screen time once they started dating. So I was happy about that. I liked seeing him as an actor grow a lot and, and every scene that he was in, it was really good. And, and when she was with him and the daughter and all that stuff, I enjoyed their romance. Do I think that they make a great couple? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) See, and I love El. She's a fantastic actress, mm-hmm. and she brings a gravita- gravitas to a lot of her characters. But the thing is, is with this older sister character, there was no gravitas needed. She was a very shallow character. Like her growth arc was very shallow. I yeah. felt, and so it was. I guess so. In that way, her character served the story, and the story served her. It was the problem for me was that I could not connect with her, and a lot of what she was doing was just rooted in this immaturity that I did not find appealing. And so I was not happy with her for a lot of the drama. And you, you kind of talked me around to being okay with her, but it was still a tough sell. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying. She and was, I, was the one that I felt changed the least and mm-hmm. that, felt, that fell back after her mom died 
spoiler, if you've watched it, you know that the mom dies. Um, but after her mom died, I feel like she felt, she fell back and reverted back into the way she was a lot faster. Um, I still think by the end, you can see that she has kind of grown a little bit. I just feel like a different romantic situation or a different relationship could have been better for her and for whoever she was like a different person. Um, not that you need to, and the, and the, the youngest sister, Mi Jung, I think she was and the brother, the kind of the best examples of like their change growth, uh, tiny steps towards liberation, whatever you want, were not connected to any kind of romance. They were for some, Mr. Gu did bring about some of that, but I also feel like even without him in their lives, it kept going and kept, you know, moving forward and, and was, was very satisfying. Whereas hers was kind of like, yeah, she, she is who she is, you know, just kind of like the sister that the, the aunt, she -hmm. never shows any change. She never lets up. She's just this over, you know, she's overprotective and you can see where she's coming from. But again, she's just not the greatest person ever. <laughs> no. And I think, that's, I think that's part of the problem, too, is because you can kind of tell by the end that single dad is getting worn down. I mean, they even say it. he's getting worn down by all the women in his life. Yeah. yeah. And it's because they're shallow and he's deep. I think that's I'm going to stick with that idea. And there's also other sister wasn't, I feel like if it was just the one sister, mm-hmm. like, the, the more serious one. Yeah. Yeah. She was more encouraging and like tried really hard to make things work and everything. It was just the, the sister who went to school with her. The snotty sister. Let's yeah. be nice. I mean, fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing I was thinking too, was just like, we see, um, we see the older Yom sister, Kijong, she's in a bar with her very long suffering friends. You can just tell from their faces, they're very long suffering, but um, she goes on this rant about single dads. And then of course, single dad is behind her. And here's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And like her rant is totally unfounded. And just, it speaks to the fact that she just doesn't think about these things. Like her thoughts are just, they're not, again, she's shallow. She doesn't have a filter. <laughs> she doesn't have a filter with a lot of things, which is why, and we didn't mention it, the boss the, that she works with, he maneuvered around her, no filter so much better than anybody else in her life. I feel like he called her on things when she needed to be called on things. And he just was like, knew she was going to just say whatever she was going to say. And then he was going to respond to it and their interactions and his part in her life, I think helped her grow in certain ways that I, and there was definitely some hints that he would have been uh, open to it by the end of the last time you see him. Mm-hmm. So I think that if she had gone that path, um, things could have been a little bit different. And I think she actually would have had a little bit more liberation in her life, but she made the choice that she made. And by the end, she was where she was with what the relationship that she had. So, yeah, yeah. I kind of wonder if the, just because I was a hundred percent rooting for her and the boss to be their own kind of OTP. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, you could even tell that he was delighted by her, just her weird ramblings. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. But then when, and then at the end, she's back at the bar with the same long, long suffering friends. And she goes on the rant about being 50. Yeah. You know, she's 40, 50 is only 10 years away, but she's like, yeah, just put us out to pasture essentially. 
right. these 50 year old women at the table behind them. And I saw the first one, I was like, oh yeah. Cause she's a character actress. I can't remember yeah. her name right now, yeah. but she's been in like Cinderella and four nights and fiery priest just in my business proposal. Wasn't it? She, the one lady, Oh yeah, she was the mom. Yeah, she was. Yeah. yeah maybe and I'll have to look her up. I'm thinking yeah. once I said it, I was like, wait a minute. No, that's not who it is. But yes, yeah, I, I totally recognized her as soon as I saw her. Yeah. And they just, I mean, all three of them were obviously in their fifties and you know, they could have torn older sister apart. They, they probably should have, but they were just like, yeah, sure. We're, we're eating fodder. We're so old. And they were kind of kind. They were like, we can see why you would think that, but we're actually doing quite well and you'll get there too. I- and that's where I think that the the oldest sister really is a representation of what a lot of people think and don't say a lot of times. Because I mean, I, I'm sorry, I I don't want to think about being 50 quite yet. <laughs> and if I was single with no kids, I think that her worries and her thoughts and you know, after a couple of drinks, I might be lamenting about being worried because their agreement was that they were going to wait until the daughter was 20 to get married. Well, if you're waiting till you're 20, she's 20 to get married. You're pretty much saying, I don't want to have any kids with you. Uh-huh. And I just want to have a relationship with you as like an almost retired couple type of thing. You yeah. Know? I know 50 isn't retired because I'm a long way from being retired, but it just has that feeling to it. So I can kind of, that's where the, the conversation started. So you can understand her where the conversation starts and how she's feeling at that moment of like, I don't want to wait till I'm 50 to get married. I thought waiting till I was 40 was long enough type thing. I want to start my life with you and you're wanting me to put it off for another 10 years. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely, I can understand where her thought process was going. And that's where her character in a lot of ways was that like, this is what a lot of people think, but we all have the ability to turn our filters on around <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> us a little bit and not start ranting about 50 year old women. When there's this table of three women sitting behind you <laughs> who, who are, are looking incredibly fabulous yes, at 50, they were, and, and, you know, that's the thing is she will as well, but she might be really worn down by then if she sits, sticks around and waits to get married until she's 50. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and again, if she loved him enough to wait, but was their relationship really that strong to, to want to wait? I don't know. And could there be a woman out there that his daughter would be like, okay, I actually really like her. Let's, let's become a family. Maybe, you know, no, because that daughter kept going off with the aunt who the snotty aunt. So yeah. no, there was no chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's the only time I want to be like, yes, you need to just take your daughter and run, or maybe just leave your daughter. <laughs> I would not suggest that, but that the, the, the dynamic was definitely a really hard one for anybody to kind of get into. And then when you have somebody who has a really low self-esteem, it was just kind of doomed from the beginning. So, yeah, agreed. And that's going to be it for this podcast. We chatted way too long and couldn't fit it in one podcast. So join us next week for part two of our cozy chat about my liberation notes. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear what your thoughts and feelings about the episode are. You can reach us on Twitter, on Facebook, or through our Patreon page. The links are in our show notes. We love blogging about Asian dramas, but behind the scenes, we have so much more to say and we want to share it with you. And talking is so much faster than typing.